Amen. Now turn to your other neighbor and really mean it. Amen. God's so good. Listen, why don't you guys be praying this week. We have our marriage conference that begins Wednesday night. It'll go Wednesday night, all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday. And it's going to be an awesome time. So I want you to be praying for uh, the couples that are going to be doing this. It's not an easy thing to do a marriage conference, especially one like this. But it definitely is going to see lives change. I'm looking for really good reports. If you still want to go, there is room for you. So you can sign up online at www.cornerstonelife.org. You can sign up there and, um, and still be a part of this amazing event. Trust me, it's one of the greatest things that these couples are going to go through. And, uh, but it's going to be really, really good. Looking forward to it. By the way, uh, Barry and Lori will be here on next Sunday. So those who can't be a part of that will be able to receive from them on that Sunday. It's going to be really good, so you don't want to miss that. Amen? God's good, isn't he? Well, ter- look in your bulletin. There's some uh, information you can follow along with me here. We start a new series today called Radical, Igniting Radical Relationships with God. And so for those who are really scared of the word radical... Um, it really means this. It means to be different from what's traditional or ordinary. And that's, as a believer, we're called to be that, right? We're not supposed to be ordinary as the world sees it, you know, but we're supposed to be like God, and we're supposed to be different from uh, everybody else in the world because of what Jesus has done in our lives. But what does that mean, and what does that do in our lives? And so our desire is to see every area in our lives Every area, that means relationally, uh, physically, um, uh, financially, every part of our lives in our ministry that God has for us to be going full bore towards the Lord and having just, you know, every part of our lives running on all cylinders, you know. And a lot of times in our relationships with God that um, it just, there's always seems to be like something that's missing. How many ever been there? I mean, it's just not a trick question. I'm not going to call you out. My hand is raised. So... But, I mean, sometimes it just seems like that we're just not going on all cylinders in this. And, uh, and so why is that? What is, what is that? And it all really comes down to what we're going to be talking about over the next four to six weeks. And so don't miss that. What I'll be talking today is going to be, um, going to be carried over in the next couple of weeks. So, listen, come on to this journey together. And we're going to go on this journey with the Lord. Because I know God is doing some really amazing thing in the lives of our people here. And, and uh, we want to continue that. What we started to do through prayer, we're going to be doing through this series called Radical. And uh, seeing just God just really move in a great way in our life. And so I want us to go on this, this journey together because I want to see our relationship with God run on all cylinders. I have a 2004 Ford F-150. And, and, uh, and I know when something's wrong. They have these things called coil packs. They're, not, they're, they're like, how many guys remember spark plug wires? Well, they did away with them and made these things so they can, uh, it costs you more money to fix. But anyway, <laughs> but it's the same thing like, like, um, like you know, spark plug wires did. When one thing was out, and when one of my core plaques are out, and I know because I, I have an eight-cylinder and I've been changing them because they're, they're very expensive. But um, when one of them are out, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you what, my, my truck does not run well at all. It does not really run because they, they cover the cylinder. It does not run on all cylinders when fully engaged. And I want us to be fully engaged in every part of our life with the Lord. And, and, and so when there's things that aren't, are in balance or out of order in your life, 
um, we need to get it back in order, right? And so we can just be going full force with the Lord and receiving everything He has for us and doing everything He has for us. Amen? And so that's what we want to do. We want to see this, and that's what I want to see, to see God and, and have His fullest potential in every one of us. And that, that means everything come in order. You know, I love the Bible. I mean, I love the Bible. I preach the Word. I, I, I teach the Word. I study that book often. I mean, every day I'm in the Word of God. I mean, I have, thank God, I'm full time at that, and so I even get time to do that outside of my, my, uh, uh, my own time. And so, but I love this book. And, but the thing about it, and the question I want to pose to you today, and this is to, to help us understand, are we really running on all the cylinders? Are we really connecting with the Lord? Are we really doing what He's called us to do? Are we really being that fully devoted follower of Christ? And the thing about it is, is that do you really believe this book? The Bible. Do you really believe what you say you believe? Because if I believe this book is true, and I do, and it is, then that has radical implications for my life. And it's the really question that I want to ask you. Do you really believe this book? Do you really believe everything that this book says? Because right now, what we're going to be doing, even throughout this um, series, is we're going to be dealing with some hard scriptures. Is that okay? You know, these are the scriptures that when you read them in your Bible reading plan, you think they're for somebody else. Or they don't apply to you, or you don't fully understand that, and it may seem somewhat a little harsh, and so we kind of just go over it. How many of you guys have ever been there? Now, if you raise your hand, you're very, very bold like me. Okay, that's good. Some of you guys are just don't even want to raise your hand anyway. But anyway, it's, it's some of those scriptures that, that it, it, it just seems hard. And we're going to deal with some scriptures today that, that are very, very you know, different. I mean, this is what Jesus said. And so I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14. I'm going to explain them to you and give you some understanding to them. So, so you and I, because they do relate to us. They do relate to you and I, even though we kind of skim over them. Because like, we have some of these other verses that aren't as hard that we really, really like, you know? When, you know, we really like that. God, you're going to pour your love on me. Come on, do it, you know? But, but when he says these things, you know, we don't really like it. So Luke chapter 14, everybody turn there with a smile. And hopefully you're smiling at the end of this. Anyway, um, Luke chapter 14, verse 33. This is Jesus speaking. Now remember... Do you believe this book? This is what it says here. In the same way, any of you who, do not, who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Okay, now this is one you can actually underline. This is actually a good, good verse here. Okay, let me read it again because I didn't get a lot of amens there. I have one. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he cannot be my disciple. That's radical. Everything. Now, do we think that means just stuff? Or do, what, what, does that, what does everything usually mean? Yeah, I know, but we, we know that down deep. We know that's the real truth, but, we, but do we? I mean, we're, we, I know that we're thinking in that voice, he must mean something else. Okay, well, let's go back to verse 26. Jesus says here, he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, 
his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Boy, you guys are just looking at me. You know, it's, it's, that's everything. And he says, you can't call yourself a follower of mine if you don't give up these things. That's pretty radical. Now again, I ask you the question, do you believe everything in this book? It should be a yes. Do we believe what this book says about me? About you, the church? First question, do you believe that? Do you believe this word? Do you really believe that? Well, let's explain what Jesus is talking about here. Now I want you to go back to Luke chapter 9, okay? Because he does mean everything here, but let's, let's talk about this. And look where he's, he's talking about, Luke chapter 9. Because I want to show you some things. This is an amazing part of Scriptures, and a lot of times what we do as Christians, we look over them. We don't think about them, we don't talk about them. We kind of just kind of breeze through them and go to something else that we like a little bit more, but, but we're missing something here if we don't take these Scriptures out. Because this book is very important here. And what it says here, and what Jesus says, every single word what Jesus says here is very important. So listen to this. Now this is a point that Jesus is having a large crowd. Large crowds are around him. And this is what's happening. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Look what he says. He says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, him being Jesus, a man said to Jesus, he says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Kind of interesting response, isn't it? So let's go on. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one puts his hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It seems like that Jesus is trying to talk these guys out of following him, don't you think? I mean, this goes against our thinking, especially in the church today. We try to get uh, um, people in no matter what. We try to, whatever it takes to get them in, let's get them in. Let's pay them. Let's do some things. Let's, you know, let's just try to get them in. Let's, and, and, it's, and I don't think there's anything wrong in that. We definitely want to make people feel comfortable, feel at home. But here's Jesus with this large crowd. And, and, and Jesus is saying, let the dead bury their own dead. Don't even go back and say goodbye, goodbye to your family. These are the kind of things I'm wondering when the disciples are hearing these things. Their mouths are open real wide down to the ground. And they're just wondering, what are you saying? Because Jesus would come around, when crowds would come around him, he would say things like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And all of a sudden, the crowds would leave. And I'm sure the disciples are saying, says, Jesus, you've got to stop this. There is no way we're going to be on the fastest growing list here in Israel if you keep on telling people to eat you. It ain't going to happen. The crowds aren't going to come. But this is what he would do. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is telling us really what it really means to follow him. And I want to put a, a, number of different, a couple of other different questions in line with these. And what Jesus was really asking them to do. And I want you to think about these. And the question number one, I want, you to, want, you, I want to ask you, are you going to choose comfort or are you going to choose the cross? And here he says, he says, this first guy, he asked Jesus, Jesus, 
I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And he's eager, and Jesus says this. He says, foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now we find out in Matthew chapter 8, though, this is a religious teacher who's asking him this. He's a religious leader. And we find Jesus warning about this type of leader out of Mark chapter 12. Now I don't have, to, I have time to read that, but you can read that later. And Jesus warns us about guys like these because this is what would happen. This is the pattern of what's happening in this time. That this re- religious people, leaders, would, ask, would, would go with another leader. They would try to attach themselves to another religious teacher or leader to gain prominence, to uh, enhance their position or their status or their career. It's like climbing the ladder. That's what they would do. And so you would have these guys, and they would go to different teachers and, and align themselves with them to get, get noticed. To, you know, they see a teacher with a large crowd like Jesus, and they would go, that happens still today, you know, in a lot of, a lot of ways. And they try to get notice, and this is this guy who says, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. But Jesus kind of knew what he was about. And so here it is, and so he asked Jesus that, and Jesus says, hey, listen, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And so Jesus really realized what he was asking. Now, let's bring this into our time and day, because most of us aren't doing that. We're not coming to Jesus to, to increase our career. In fact, sometimes we come to Jesus that decreases our career. We don't understand that. But basically what's here, that's a Jewish culture, but here is this what we're doing here, is that we're not trying to climb a success ladder here. But this is what begins to happen with you and I, because we start to come to Jesus to get something. We come to Jesus maybe to get forgiveness. We come to Jesus to, um, to get our best life. We come to Jesus so we can get to heaven. And, and, and none of these things are bad, and they are true. That's what happens when you come to Jesus. But you don't come to Jesus to get stuff. You come to Jesus to get God. And God is everything. He is everything. He is everything that we, we have. And let's go a little bit deeper. Sometimes we come to Jesus so we can get comfortable and have a comfortable place of worship. We come to Jesus because so our kids can have a good place. We come to Jesus so we don't have to feel so bad about ourselves. No, that's not it. You come to Jesus, and when you come to Jesus, you get God. And that's the only reason to really come to Jesus. And that is why Jesus came. So you get God, and He is everything. In God is everything. In Christ, there's forgiveness. In Christ, there is love. But that's in Christ, and that's why we follow him. And Jesus, looking over this guy, says, you're coming to me for the wrong reasons. You want to promote yourself. But Jesus said, listen, it's not about that. It's about you coming to me, and you get all that I am. He says, I don't have a roof over my head. You come to me, and I am all you got. And you've got to understand the, the place he was in because it says in verse 51 where he was looking at, he was looking at the cross. He was looking at what he was going through. And he says, do you understand if you follow me what you're going to go into? Are you willing to follow me and not have the comfortable life? So let's bring it back into our time. And this is the thing that really I look at in my life. Am I, even through a tough time, am I going to blame God and get mad at him or am I going to still follow him no matter what? It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were in the, before the fiery furnace, they looked at the king and says, I will not bow down to you, and whether God saves me or not, I still won't bow. He is still my God. And see, and that is the whole heart. And that's why it kind of ticks me off. 
When people tell me, my life is bad because things don't go your way and you want to leave church and you want to stop praying and you want to start, you know, just man up and be a follower of God, you know? And that's the whole heart and that's where we at as a believer. If you want to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, you don't come to Him to get stuff. You come to get Him and to worship Him and love Him and live for Him. Amen? And that's why we come to God. And that's what Jesus is saying here. He says, hey, listen. Do you really want me? Do you really want what I have? And it's yes. Because we get God. We do get a better life. It may not be what you think all the time. But you do get Him. And He is greater in everything that He has. The, the, See, God is so great. He gives us grace to do what he's called us to do. That means he gives us his power to do it. He gives us, he gives us his faith to have faith. I mean, that's incredible. But we get him. And then here comes the second question. So you're going to choose comfort or the cross? Or are you going to choose maintenance or mission? The second guy, Jesus initiates the conversation. And he, says, he says, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury Go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now there are scholars who believe that there's differences on this. They think that the man guy's uh, dad wasn't dead yet and he wanted to go spend some time with him. Or um, maybe his dad was dead and already. And it doesn't matter in the situation. The thing about it is Jesus says, you need to go proclaim, proclaim the kingdom of God. And the thing, if you read that verse, it says, how mean. Because, you know, even in, in the religious part of that day, the, the greatest honor was for a son to take care of his dad when he dies. That was the greatest honor of somebody doing that. And so this is just a no-brainer. A son does this for his dad. He goes and buries his dad. So what is he saying here? He's saying this. And this is going to hit us a little bit. Are you ready for this? Everybody say, I'm ready. Because, I, you know, I'm, I, I need this. I'm preaching to myself. Amen? And here's what he's saying. I don't think he was worried about him taking the time off to go bury his dad. Because, you know, when Jesus says something, he really sees all around it, okay? He sees the heart, and he knows the heart, and he knows the issues here. And here's what he's saying. That there's a responsibility. In fact, there's an obligation that supersedes all other responsibilities and every obligation in this world. And I do mean every one of them. And the thing is, is that we need to do our part in this. And this obligation is to promote the kingdom of God above all things. And that is our goal as a believer. If you want to be a follower of Christ, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ, is that his kingdom reigns more than anything else. It reigns more, and it's above every other responsibility or obligation is to proclaim the kingdom of God. It's far more important. And that's what Jesus is telling him, him here. He's saying, listen, this is more important than just burying your dad. And the, ch- and the church will always be church as a whole of individual families who will face these two options, maintenance or mission business as usual or status quo or radical abandonment to proclaiming the kingdom of god and i want you to know something that you're not only on a journey too i'm on a journey this whole church is on a journey here 
You know, 2014 began with prayer. But if you thought prayer doesn't change things, it does. And it has changed me. It has changed the vision, even in the sense of this church to be more radical in what we're going to be doing. It's changed people in this church. You know, people are dying every single day out there. We have to stop playing games. And this is what Jesus was saying. This is more important than anything else. Are you going to choose maintenance? Or are you going to choose the mission of God? And the third thing is, is will we choose to be indecisive with our minds or have an undivided heart? And, the, and he says, Lord, let me just go back and say goodbye to my family. And he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow looks back. You can't even look back. Don't even go say goodbye to your mama. Don't look back. You see this indecision here. And the indecision that he has here is when Jesus tells us to obey, at least in my own personal experience, I find myself asking questions and being indecisive about obeying the word of God. I mean, I ask myself, is it safe? Is it wise that I do this? Is it time? What would this person think of me? What will people think of me? How would this look? And the reality is if Jesus has said it, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I do it. Period. If it's in His Word, I do it. Period. And I'm not saying you don't want to be wise. I'm not saying it's, you don't need wisdom. You definitely do wisdom, need wisdom. But wisdom is not found in how you understand. Wisdom is found in the complete obedience of Jesus Christ. And that's what it means to follow Christ. And indecision, it hampers us. It hampers me from radical obedience to Christ. To have an undivided heart. But let me tell you something. What scares me about this, these implications of not, uh, chapter 9 is that these guys, they don't follow Christ. They leave Him. Every one of them lead Him. He succeeds. Jesus succeeds in turning every single one of those guys away from Him. And what scares me is the thought of what, what would I have done? What would I have done with what Jesus said? Because I look at that and I'm thinking, man, if that means following Christ today, I wonder if Jesus would have moved on, would I have followed him? Would I have went after him? And that haunts me. Because what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? I mean, what does it really mean to be a Christian? What does Jesus expect us? And, what does he, and he empowers us to do it. But would I do that? Am I really running on all cylinders here? In my life with Christ. Am I really obeying Jesus in every part of my life? Am I doing this? Am I doing what Christ called me to do? Am I choosing comfort more than the cross? Am I choosing maintenance? Just being the status quo over the mission of God? Am I being indecisive? Or do I have an undivided heart towards Him? And that's what Jesus is asking of all of us. Because I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be who God wants me to be. And I want to love Him like He wants me to, like He loves me. And I want to go after Him with all my heart and everything that He has. And so what do I do now? And this is what the Lord has been dealing with me personally. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Is I want, number one, is I want you to pray. 
And I want you to ask the Lord, what areas in your life that you have not given to Him? Now through this whole four to six weeks, we're going to go and we're going to deal with some tough issues in the Word. And we're going to talk about our commitment level. We're going to talk about what God's called us to do. And it's going to rise us up, but you have to be real with this. Ask the Lord, what areas in my life have I not given Him lordship over? Made Him the boss in my life. And then number two, I want you to commit to do all things He says in His Word. What the Word tells you to do, you're going to commit to do. You're going to be a man and woman of the Word of God. And that means you're not going to just read it and know it. You're going to actually do it. You know, a disciple of somebody is not somebody who knows of what his mentor taught him. is one who emulates his mentor, who does what his mentor does. And that's Jesus. And number three, you're going to do it with all your heart. You're going to give all your heart. So if it means in the areas of worship, you're going to worship God with all your heart. In the areas of your finances, you're going to be that. In the areas of the Word of God, you're going to be that. In the areas of relationships, whatever it is. You know, Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. In fact, turn there. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says this. He says, whatever you do, work it with all your heart. As working for the Lord. You know, one of the things I loved about being a youth pastor. And a lot of you in our church have been in my youth ministry at one time or another and I just loved it because youth, they weren't held down by anything. I mean, if you told them to quit school and leave, they would definitely do that. Not saying that's a good thing. And, you know, go out for God and go on the mission field, you know. But, but you know, they weren't hindered by a lot of pressures. You know that, right? How many of you guys remember when you were a youth? You weren't really hindered by a lot of debt. Hopefully not by that time. And uh, you weren't hindered by a lot of things. And man, I tell you what, youth would follow me anywhere. They, we would do anything together. They were radical. I'd tell them, you know, I, I, I would tell them to stand on a street corner in, you know, in London. I took some guys with me, and I told them to stand on a street corner and sing London Bridge has fallen down with their hand held out to get some money. They would do it. No questions asked, and I'd love that. Because I had a lot of fun with that. But anyway, <laughs> but they weren't hindered down by this world but as we get older and as we create other things and do other things we get hindered down by a lot of things now i didn't finish reading that scripture because look what it says it says whatever you do work it with all your heart is working unto the lord not for human masters how many of you have human masters now i'm not talking about your boss but you're enslaved to this world system in some way. Now, in a few weeks, I'm going to be talking about finances. And I'm going to be talking about debt. Because debt is a master to people. Not to condemn you, but I'm going to share some things with you about the word says, and I believe you're going to get out of debt. Just as our church is going to get out of debt, we're not going to be consumed and held over our head by slaves, as slaves. We're going to be masters. God, where God's going to be our master. Amen. I had a I had a Bible, my Bible professor, one of them in in my college. He was a former missionary, and just a great man, Doctor Dean Brothers. I loved him, man. He's just a great guy. And um, he came in just he would just just I mean you just wanted to be like him because he he just you know he loved you know when someone loves the Lord you know, 
And, um, and he'd come out and speak, one of my favorite you know, speakers. And, and he'd come out and he'd just say, he says, man, I'm not tied down. He says, when God tells me to go, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. And he, he fully meant it because he says, I just want to please God. In fact, so much, he, he told us one day, he says, I don't even own a house. He says, I rent. He said, because I know God's going to tell me to leave, and I want to leave. In fact, my bags are packed, and as soon as he tells me to go, I'm out of here. And I love that. And it doesn't mean that you can't have a house and you can't do that. But it was just so freeing to not be slave to that. Amen? And so, and that's what he was saying. He says, man, I, I just want to do whatever God tells me to do. And that should be our heart. Whatever you do, work with all your heart as working as for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I love that. So what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? It's to go all out for Him and to be committed to Him fully that I'm going to choose the cross. I'm not going to choose comfort. I'm going to choose mission, not maintenance. It's all about the kingdom of God for me. Amen? And I'm not going to have an indecisive heart. I'm going to have an undivided heart that's going to be completely towards Him. And when Jesus says it, I do it. Whatever He says in His Word, I become it. I become like Him. And I love it because we answered the question at the very beginning, do I believe this Word is true? And it is. And if it is, it will have radical implications in our life. That means going to be radical changes in our life. Are you guys ready for this? Amen? Because there's something so freeing when this happens in us. There's something so great that happens when we commit to Him and we commit to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Amen? And we see the greater things. We see what God wants to do and we run after Him with all of our heart. So the second question, main question I want to ask you, do you believe the Word? You said yes. So if you believe the Bible, do you believe what the Bible says about the lost? Because this is where he's taking us. Do you believe what the Bible says about the lost? So what we're going to be doing in the days ahead, we're going to look at this, this thing. So do we really believe what the Bible says about the lost? And the lost are people who don't know him. So look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. Look what it says here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, says this, This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with His powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the mighty majesty of His power. Now, if we believe that, that's pretty rough. That's everlasting destruction. Revelation, that's talking about loss. Now, a lot of times when we read over this, we have an us and them mentality. And that's not what it's meant for. We should take this and really realize that we have a mission to accomplish. And realize Oh, well, at least I'm going to heaven. No, 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 no. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to love God and to do what? Love others. Revelation 20, 15 says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, 
he was thrown into the lake of fire. In fact, earlier in that same chapter, it talks about the smoke of their torment rises up forever and ever. So it begs the question, do we believe that? And if we do believe that, and we should believe that, then what, what, what do we need to do? What does that do with you and I? Because if we believe that, there's radical implications for the way we live our lives and the way our church operates from now on. Because we've talked, you know, talked about this. There's like 7 billion people in the world. And at the most, there's a third of those are Christians. And that doesn't mean that they're really Bible-believing Christians. They either confess that or it's political or social. So if that's really true, at, at the most, there's 5 billion people on this earth that don't know Jesus. That means there's hundreds of thousands of people in the Kansas City area that needs the Lord, that needs Him. So if we really believe the Word, that means that there's 5 billion people that are without Jesus are going to stand in judgment of God. And that road leads to eternal hell. And if that's true, and it is, if we believe that, and we should, we can't play games. We can't play games with our lives or our family. If it isn't true, then we can spend all of our resources and we can indulge ourselves and stuff around us and, and do that. But if it is true, we can't do that. We have to go forward and radically change the way we live. And we have to have this true abandonment for everything to make the gospel known among the lost. So do we believe? Do I believe what this book says? It's time to get radical. Now, I mentioned that because it is so true that I have family that could go through that. Now, they have to receive it, but, but I may be their only hope. And so it's time to get radical. It's time that we change. It's, and I don't know what this means exactly for my life and my family. I, I, we're on the same journey right now. We're all beginning to identify some things, some major things that, that God may need to change in us to be really fully devoted followers of Christ. And I don't want to know what that looks like for my life and my own family, but we're going to be doing some changing and, and our prayers and everything and going after it. And I, and I don't know what it means for our, our family of faith here. But what I do know is this. I want to invite all of us on this journey together. And I want us to discuss some hard things over the next, next four to six weeks where we listen to the words of Jesus, the Jesus we claim to follow. But sometimes maybe those words maybe we've ignored in our own life. But I want us to listen to them. I want us to consider those things together as a family, the family of faith here. And I want us to look into our own lives. I want us to see some changes. And I want to allow God to change me, to have a heart for His Word, really, and to do His Word, to speak those things, to have a heart for the lost, to have a heart for the poor, and to really see the hurting be healed. Are you guys with me on that? You guys ready for this?
Because I'm telling you something, God's going to starting to do some really cool things in our body, and let's just continue this, and let's just continue to reach out to Him and allow Him to do it, and let's go on this journey together. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, this journey ends at Easter on the, on the messages that we're going to be doing. In fact, we're going to be going even through the miracles of Christ here and starting in the uh, end of March and talking about all the miracles and what they mean to us today, and let's just see some radical changes in how, how we think, how we do things, our love, and let's see God and the Holy Spirit just come in and through us and just radically change us. And let's see God move in our lives. Amen? Because, listen, it's all about Him. And until He becomes my one desire, I'm not there yet. Amen? Amen. Are you guys ready for this? So bow your heads, close your eyes. And I want you right now, I want you to ask the Lord to reveal some things to you. Just ask Him right now to say, God, reveal to me things in my life that, that aren't of you, that I haven't committed my life to you. Maybe I've, I've committed this one area, but this one area I haven't done your word in. Say, God, reveal that to me. And allow him to start to do that right now. Allow him to do that. And if you say, Sean, well, man, I'm already there. Listen, please come up to me and let me pray for you afterwards. Because you're not there. Don't believe that lie. None of us are there yet. So ask the Lord, Lord, what do I need to change? And allow Him to start bringing you on this journey with us. And then commit to say, God, I'm going to do whatever Your Word tells me to do. I believe the Bible to be true. And I'm going to do all that it says. All of it. And I'm going to do it with all of my heart. Not serving any human master, but serving you, God, in Jesus' name. So, Father, we just thank you and we just love you. And I thank you as you're bringing our church on this journey together, God, a journey of being a radical disciples, radical followers of you, men and women who don't just do it because it's the status, even the status in the church community, but we do it because it's your word and it's your heart. And we do it because we love you. and We receive you, God. So, Father God, we just want that right now in our lives, in our families' lives, God. And so, Father, we're not playing games anymore. We decide right now. This is life and death right here. We decide now, Lord, to follow you fully. So reveal to us what that means, and we'll walk in it, Lord. Because we know you give us the grace. You gave us the ability to do it. You give us the strength. You give us the faith. And so we rely on you right now. Jesus' name. So, Father, speak to us right now in Jesus' name. With everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here today and say, Pastor Sean, I don't know Jesus. I don't know Him. In fact, you don't even know much about Him, but you know you need something. I don't have to talk you into anything. You know you're missing something in your life. It's, it's not just one cylinder. It's almost all of them that are not running. And you need something different in your life. And let me tell you that that is Jesus Christ. Because He has opened the door for you to receive God. And God is everything. So if that's you here today and you want to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all been there. And He's opened the door for you to receive Him. And in Him is forgiveness. And in Him is a better life. And in Him is more. It's purpose and love. 
So if that's you in here, no one's looking around, I want to pray with you right where you're at. If that's you right now, you say, Pastor Sean, I want to give Jesus my life right now. I want to pray with you right where you're at. If you could raise your hand, and once you raise your hand, you can put it down. You can put those hands down. Anybody else? Okay. Anybody else? Say, Sean, I want to, I want to give my life to the Lord today. I want to give him, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. I want to follow him. Anybody else right now? This is what I wanted to do, everyone that raised their hand and everyone in here today. I want you to pray that this prayer with me. I want you to repeat after me. And I want you to mean it with all your heart, okay? Because the Bible says that Jesus is going to meet you where you're at. No matter where you're at, he's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you. And he's going to change you today. Today is the start of a lifelong change that he's going to do in your life. So let's pray. Everybody repeat after me. Father God, I come to you and I give you my life. I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. To take my sin, all my wrongdoings upon himself so I might be forgiven. And so right now, I receive you. I receive all that you have. In Jesus' name, I give you my life. And from this day forward, I will follow you. Whatever that means, I'll do it. Because I commit to do it with all my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Amen. God's so good, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, if you raise your hand or even if you didn't, Listen, this is the start of a new journey with God. And we want to help you with that. And so please let us know, either by putting it on your connection card. In fact, everyone get out your connection cards right now. And on your connection card, you can put your name and your phone number, whatever you want to give us. And on there.